received from multiple sources. The department issued four assessments about the January 6th event. The final assessment indicated, amongst other things, that militia groups, white supremacists, and other extremist groups would be participating in the January 6th event. These groups plan to be armed, the target of the demonstration would be Congress, and the demonstrators saw this as a last opportunity to overturn the results of the presidential election, and they were desperate. The assessment was widely shared throughout the department, and in response to the assessment, the department made significant changes to its security posture. We increased the size of protection details, deployed counter surveillance agents across DC, increased our CDU platoons, including deploying hard platoons. We deployed SWAT teams, enlarged the security perimeter, and increased exterior and interior patrols to include the subways. Since the 6th, it has been suggested that the department was either ignorant of or ignored critical intelligence that indicated that an attack of the magnitude that we experienced on January 6th would occur. The department was not ignorant of intelligence indicating an attack of the size and scale we encountered on the 6th. There was no such intelligence. Although we knew the likelihood for violence by extremists, no credible threat indicated that tens of thousands would attack the U.S. Capitol. Nor did the intelligence received from the FBI or any other law enforcement partner indicate such a threat. Indeed, the Secret Service brought the Vice President to the Capitol that day as they were also unaware of any credible threat of that magnitude. The department also did not ignore intelligence that we had, which indicated an elevated risk of violence from extremist groups. To the contrary, we heightened our security posture. There's evidence that some of those who stormed the Capitol were organized, but there's also evidence that a large number were everyday Americans who took on a mob mentality because they were angry and desperate. It is the conduct of this latter group that the department was not prepared for. The department did face some operational challenges that we are addressing. For example, the Capitol lockdown was not properly executed. Some of the officers were unsure of when to use lethal force. Our radio communications to officers were not as robust and we are ensuring that our incident command system protocols are adhered to going forward and re-implementing training in those respective areas. We are addressing those operational challenges, but I want to make clear that these measures alone would not have stopped the threat we faced. To stop a mob of tens of thousands requires more than a police force. It requires physical infrastructure or a regiment of soldiers. There's no arena, there's no space, there's no industry that black women and women in general have not had some impact in the shaping and the advancement of that particular area. We are saving democracy, but it's because we know deeply. We were listening to the Huff, Huff Post 
Huff Post H U F F P O S T Huff Post Online Capitol Police Chief Video Concerning the Extremist Plotting State of the Union Violence Written by Jennifer Bendery B-E-N-D-E-R-Y and Amanda Turkel T-E-R-K-E-L on February 25th, 2021. The Capitol Police remain on high alert about possible violence directed toward Congress even after the January 6th riot with Acting Police Chief Yogananda Pittman saying there is a there is chatter about trouble around the State of the Union address. Quote, we know that members of the militia groups that were present on January 6th have stated their desires that they want to blow up the Capitol and kill as many members as possible with a direct nexus to the State of the Union, which we know that date has not been identified, end quote. Pittman revealed in testimony to a House Appropriations Subcommittee Thursday, quote, so based on that information, we think that it's prudent that Capitol Police maintain its enhanced and robust security posture until we address those vulnerabilities going forward, end quote. Pittman spoke to lawmakers Thursday as Congress continues to examine the security failures that led up to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. When Donald Trump senior supporters overran the building to try to stop lawmakers from certifying Joe Biden as the winner of the presidential election. Quote, we know that the insurrectionists that attacked the Capitol were not only interested in attacking members of Congress and officers, they wanted to send a 
symbolic message to the nation as to who was in charge of their legislative process. Close quote. National Guard troops and fencing remain a presence at the Capitol, a grim and unwelcome reminder of what happened last month. Lawmakers repeatedly pressed Pittman about how much longer both the troops and the barriers would be up. Quote, We have no intention of keeping the National Guard soldiers or that fencing any longer than what is actually needed. End quote. She responded,
he will be the first actor to win a posthumous award in a lead category. What about uh, some special guests in the audience? Oh boy, it's going to be so exciting for the few people who get to go. So Tina Fey, as we know, is hosting from the Rainbow Room in New York, and Amy Poehler will be at the Beverly Hilton here in Los Angeles. And they have invited a limited number of first responders and essential workers who will all get to watch live from the room. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be watching from my couch. Where will you be watching? Wait, what, you got what it. will you be wearing? <laughs> I'll call you and say, what are you wearing? <laughs> That's an open question. Okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> By the way, appreciate it as always. Sure. Good seeing you. And you can watch the Golden Globes from your very own couch right here on NBC4 this Sunday starting at 5. All right, probably from Chuck Nance or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so NASA's DC headquarters now being renamed for the agency's first black engineer. Here's uh, Mary Jackson, who was the inspiration behind the movie's hidden figures. Janelle Monet portrayed Jackson in the 2016 film. Well, she was part of a group of women who helped get American astronauts into space back in the 1960s, overcoming the challenges of segregation and gender bias. Her granddaughter says, well, Mary has passed on her legacy continues. There are a lot of individuals who went into the engineer department, who went into the mathematics department because of what she knew, because of what she taught, because of what she encouraged. Well, the building appropriately sits on hidden figures' way. A black California vineyard owner says he wants to use his passion for winemaking to inspire others and open doors. CNBC's Dan Wells shows us how the vintner is working to get more people of color interested in his craft. How did you become a winemaker? Um, free booze? No. <laughs> Phil Long grew up in Inglewood, California, and became an architect. But he discovered wine, and when he and his wife, Deborah, moved to the Livermore Valley over a decade ago, they started making some. Wine growing up to me was that four-foot-tall bottle of Chianti in my dad's corner with a basket in it. They learned a lot, and eventually opened Longevity Wines, named the region's winery of the year in 2018. He grew the business by partnering with Bronco Wineries to go national. And the wines have been in shows like Big Little Lies. That's really good. Then last May, George Floyd died, and Black Lives Matter exploded. We saw more online sales in the first two weeks of June than we did in the entire year of 2019. You see, Phil Long stands out. Less than 1% of winemakers are black. And there are even fewer black women who are sommeliers like Tonya Pitts, wine director at the One Market Restaurant in San Francisco. I always tell people that I, I didn't choose wine, wine chose me. Both are now trying to seize the moment through organizations like the Association of African American Vintners to promote wine as a career, and support for scholarships has been pouring in. Is it all changing? Absolutely. Yeah, I would love the bowl of jelly beans of all the colors and creeds and genders of people who drink wine to look exactly like the bowl of jelly beans of the people who make wine. But as much as Phil Long wants to mentor others, he also wants to keep making good wine to honor Deborah, who died of pancreatic cancer two years ago. The longevity label represents the heart he gave her every Valentine's Day. But before she left us, I made sure I took her to see this get put on so she knows she's always going to be part of this journey She's always going to be part of this brand, and she's never going anywhere. Long says he's got more wine orders the first six weeks of this year than all of last year. But here's the deal. It's got to be good. 
MSPL block event scored 90 at Wine Enthusiast. That's good. In the Livermore Valley, I'm Jane Wells, CNBC Business News. What a great story. All right, so looking live right now from News Chapel 4 Alpha over at Long Beach. Might be a good weekend, perhaps, to crack open a bottle of wine. I don't know. Melissa, what do you think? Yo, always. <laughs>